Welcome to the next episode of The Sebastian Show. This week, I interview Anton Wabisky. talks about going from being a nice man to a good man, his life story and early success. This was one of my favorite interviews so far. But let me know what you guys think. Check it out in the link below. You said in the last two years, what, yeah. what led you to this point? One of the things I want to hear, I heard you mention this on, on the podcast that I listened to. You transitioned from being the nice guy, right? So the nice man to the good man. Mm. Right? What was that transition like? And what, what were the conditions that led to that? Where, where does that come from? That's a loaded question. <laughs> to make it as simple as possible, it comes from two main things being taken advantage of by women mm -hmm. and being taken advantage of by powerful men. Mm. Those are the two areas I have dabbled very deeply in it. And really the past <laughs> decade of my life, I've been not to play the victim card, but I've been around a lot of very powerful people from a very young age. And many times because of my naivety, I always wanted to believe in the greater good of the human. And because yeah. of that very much became a self-sacrificing thing where they would literally be manipulating me and I'd be in full-blown denial. Everyone would know it, but me, um, to the point of, of literally physical harm at, at some stages in terms of, and that really messed up my business as well. That mindset of always like being that nice guy, because I couldn't fire, I'd hold on to people way too long. I couldn't put clear boundaries and contracts in place with clients. It was just so messy, man, because I was so weak. I was so insecure. I hated confrontation. I hated hard conversations. So I avoided them at all costs. And it, until it started like messing with my business, I was like, all right, something's really got to change here. So I started to fix it in business, uh, especially when I went with the people I work with in my social media agency, very powerful people, very big names, very well-known names. You can't treat those people like a friend as much as they may be your friend. One of my good mentors, he said, clean paper makes good friends. Yeah. That's so true. Yep. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way by losing relationships, by you know not having relationships I wish I did have because of my own lack of sovereignty, really. So that's on one end. We can unpack that first and then we can go to the women. <laughs> and I, and, and I want to I start there. Normally, as I'm hearing you, you, you tell me if, if I'm missing it, but normally when I hear of that kind of behavior, and, and by the way, very common early boss battles or midlife boss battles as we're kind of growing through our own programming, but generally we come out of childhood with some kind of trauma and it usually shows up in one of three ways and sometimes a, a combination of all three. One, you have repetition and repetition is just what it sounds like. You're repeating parental behaviors over and over. Yep. Yep. And it's like, so you know, that's where you get generational bondage, where that's just how this runs in my family. So you get repetition. The next is avoidance, where you have a, a, a almost a phobic fear of uh, phobia around particular interactions or intimacy or around particular setups. So you're, you're actively self-sabotaging or pushing yourself away from those situations. Um, or and, unconsciously recreating them. Right. And that's the repetition. You track part, what right? you fear, right? Right. You know, 100%. And then the last is we overcompensate. And the over, overcompensator generally puts themselves in situations where they're loyal to the wrong people. They hold on to people too long. Um, and, and, and they want to, they want to prove to the world that they're different. 
right? And so what ends up happening is they end up being they taken hurt themselves. advantage of and they hurt themselves trying to, and it, normally that's, my experience has been in my own coaching practice is that's normally the result of childhood trauma that hasn't been processed yet. But I don't, I don't think I've ever dealt with anyone who came out of childhood unscathed. It seems no. like it's kind of a rite of passage, right? So let's Absolutely. go back there real quick. If if that resonates with you, tell me about your childhood. Were, uh, were your, did your parents stay together? Were they divorced? Were you raised by a single parent? What did that look like? Uh, parents divorced, but not until I was 20 years old. So I didn't, at that point. yeah, I didn't really feel it that much till a little bit later, but, um, childhood I'd say was semi-normal, um, grew up in the Midwest. So grew up in Michigan, dad was a UPS man, mom, you know, uh, just a, like, a what is it like a, um, physical therapist technician. And she just worked because she wanted to, not really because she she had to. My dad very much was the provider, breadwinner, uh, yep. very traditional in a lot of his ways, um, very hard on us as well. And I actually, my, my book is dedicated to my father uh, because I have, not to get too off tangent here, but he really showed me the beauty of hard work. Nobody's going to give you a handout. I grew yep. up with a field in the back of my house, so you know, our, our summers, oh, man, we were, we were working on the yard. We were yeah. laying the landscape, trimming the hedges, laying the rocks, redoing the grass, anything, you name it. My dad had us out there busting our asses. <laughs> I have a uh, older sister, younger brother. So I'm the middle child. I mm -hmm. uh, always been incredibly rebellious mm -hmm. as a skateboarder. Um, always hated authority. Although I respected my father's authority because of the way he treated me. Uh, very much saw me as an equal, um, but at the same time had the ability to discipline me and show me when he was right and I was wrong. Um, he did a really solid job. Mother, very feminine, uh, very loving, the nurturer. You know, when dad was super mad, we'd run to her to try to see if there was some way out. Sometimes it works, but my 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 dad with with me specifically really had had it under the reins pretty well. Um, so, so you said your dad treated you like an equal. I wanna, yeah. I want to get into that because I coach a lot of the 21 to 25 group that, um, in my, my business management training program, which is yep. one of our, can you, one of the things James, we can you put them louder. Um, and one of the biggest struggles young men tend to have is dealing with parents who want to continue to parent them and not treat them like equals. Now, and I'll explain them, I'll explain this to them. Part of, of becoming an equal is going out and owning your life, taking responsibility for your life and being accountable for who you are. And if you continue to act like a child, you're going to be treated like a child. So hearing you say that your dad treated you like an equal, and I have to assume that meant as you were growing up, I'd love to hear what that looked like. Cause that's a really, to me, that's probably one of Super the greatest rare. compliments you could give to a parent, right? Ah, that is that developing your, your masculinity, what it is to be a man. So I love hearing that. So what did that look like in, in, in tactical purposes? How did he treat you like an equal? <laughs> I, I really love my dad. He's so awesome. He's so far from perfect, <laughs> but he's so <laughs> awesome. Um, Ah, oh, man, there's, I mean, there's so many examples and I, I want to, 
you know, without the nuanced understanding of the household, I want to respect his, yeah. his approach without revealing too much detail, but like, like he very much gave me an inside look at the bad things he did as a kid and how he would accept that behavior in me outside of drugs. That was the one thing you do drugs in this house, you're out. And he actually kicked me out one time because he caught me smoking weed. <laughs> and I, I spent the evening sleeping outside in the Michigan winter. <laughs> That'll set a tone. That will set a tone, man. <laughs> never that will that will deem respect. That's for sure. As a uh, rebellious fifteen-year-old, but um, yeah, you know, like you know, funny things taught me how to. This sounds so bad, but he, he taught me how to like pretty much escape the house and not get caught by my mom, so that I could go out and be a kid and you know start the car and and are not start the car, put it in neutral on your drive while you open the garage. So you don't hear the engine, things like this. He, and he did this in a lot of categories. Like it wasn't that he was an instigator. He was just very much connected to the truth of children behavior. And I think he saw that in me, like I'm this rebellious kid. So he kind of saw it like, you're going to fuck up anyways. Let me show you how to fuck up elegantly. That's very much what it felt like in a lot of ways. Um, No one's ever asked me that question. It's a great, it's a great thought to ponder, but man. Yeah. And you know, he'd even tell me things like, oh, you, you shouldn't, you're not fit for college. Like if you want to be rich, don't go to college. My (laughs) mom, on the other hand, was the complete opposite. You need to go to school. And um, I just, you know, I I knew I wasn't going to go traditional routes. And I think he saw that as well. So he very much did the very best he could to push me into the right path. And then around 17, 18 years old, um, I started gaining a lot of success as as a young, as a young guy. And I noticed that the dynamic in his journey transitioned a little bit where he was struggling with his own issues with my mother, having some complications in the relationship. And to relate it to terms of masculinity, what I'd say is he just fell completely off his center, uh, completely off his center, became a pleaser, lost who he was, had some like mental you know, challenges and some breakdowns. And um, he stopped like fathering me. And I believe there's a big difference between the dad archetype and the father archetype. The father is more of that sovereign kind of kingly energy that will let you fail and do like be willing to push you away if it means losing love from you as a child, but you get the lesson. A dad is very afraid to do that. He clings on. He's trying to be a friend and not still have that authority figure. And um, I think my dad, that happened a little bit later in in life for sure. Hmm. How old is your- stopped mentoring me. How old is your younger brother? Is your younger brother? Uh, so we're five years apart. He's five years younger. Okay, so he was still at home when your mom and dad divorced. Yes, and <laughs> thunderstorm. Um, I don't know if you can hear that, but a uh, yeah. little bit. Yeah, a little as yeah. little nuance. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, my my brother received a very different childhood than I did. That is for sure, and that has manifested in our journeys being very, very different in a lot of ways. He didn't really go down the nice guy path at all, like at all. 
um, which is beautiful. We actually live together. We're closer than ever. Um, nice guy. New- so you, to, I made to infer he's the opposite. He was not the nice guy. Yeah, he 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 got into more uh, serious trouble, I'd say, rather than child trouble. <laughs> yep, understood. Yeah, it's so it's not uncommon to see parents. In fact, I, I did a a whole video on this. The, um, it's not it's not uncommon to see parents divorce when the kids are out. It's like they- that's pretty much what happened. My mom, her ideology was like, "Ah, oh, let me see this out." She knew apparently, even though like my parents, they had out of out of every divorce I have ever been a part of in terms of like knowing the people or aunts or uncles or any of this thing. Everybody, including my cousins and relatives, everybody was shocked by my parents splitting up because they had so much polarity. I mean, they yeah. were like the the picture perfect like that's a relationship that's what i want my dad was such a romantic and i mean he just it was it was beautiful it showed me such a beautiful truth of what a real relationship is and my dad's a very deep lover which is also part of where that i get that in me as well but yeah um the divorce from your perspective what happened because that's interesting Uh, to hear right where you're like hey like from the outside everything looked great they yeah, had a dynamic that you would have thought would have worked out. You know, it sounds like they were married 20 plus years. I'm inferring yep. that something like that. So what happened? What happened was the my dad. Yeah, yeah. My dad couldn't cope with the stresses and hardships of life. And mentally, it really, it really he, 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 he sabotaged his career. And to translate it into the terms I know now, my mom just didn't feel safe with him. He had a very bad temper. Um, he was he he he'd snap very often, very rarely like towards us. It was always towards her, mm. and um, it got worse and worse as we got older. And as his there was pressures at his job, you know, there was a lot of things that had happened. Lost a lot of money in the stock market. Million things, million excuses. But essentially, essentially, he didn't have the mental capacity to deal with the stress. So he took it out on my mom and that for her made her feel incredibly unsafe. And she pretty much, and she told me this later on in life, she made a decision pretty early on. Like as soon as the kids are older, I'm out, um, which is, uh, you know, unfortunate. I don't think she should have done that, but you know, I'm not one to, to make that call. Understood. Well, you, you touched on something that's super powerful, the feminine, the masculine playing together. Yes. I, I describe the masculine as the container that allows the feminine to freely express itself in safety. Right. And if you have the feminine unchecked, it's magic yeah. and chaos, right? And it creates magic and chaos. Yes. And when you put it in the container of the masculine and it creates safety for the feminine to show up in the feminine, there's a yep. power there that allows the two to synergize. But if the masculine is showing up in a way, that makes the feminine not feel safe, then they they would draw into themselves, right? And they shell themselves off. And that that's the beginning of the end. And I think yep. that's important because that that is very often missed. Uh, oh, and it's, and it's, it sounds like, you tell me if I'm wrong, it sounds like in his own journey, he was so focused in showing up for his family with a particular set of values that he wasn't doing the work. And, and he probably, it sounds like he probably isolated himself where he didn't have people he could go to to help him through his work 
and it just it just compounded and compounded and compounded um, until you know it reached a breaking point. Yeah, you're spot on. I don't know what had happened because I was starting to get to an age where I was starting to live my own life around 16, 17, 18. So I stopped paying attention as much as I would because also good thing for you to know is that at that age, I had found other masculine mentors that started taking me under their wing. So my father's influence very much died. And maybe that that contributed to part of the problem. I don't know. Um, But I have these very, uh, you know, it's funny, someone recently asked me about this, because I'm actually now my second book is all about the masculine feminine dynamics, how to really awesome. Oh, yeah, which won't be out for probably a couple of years, but I'm working on it now. And I'm reflecting on a lot of these things. And you know, there was very, like, every single day for years, I remember waking up for school, and my dad would be in these crazy yoga poses for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, being a handstand or a headstand or some weird pose and he'd be listening to Wayne Dyer and he'd have his yoga book and it'd be, it'd be like six o'clock in the morning before school. So he was doing a lot of that work. He, he weightlifted, he, he really had good outlets, but there was somewhere on his path. And I don't know when this moment was where all of that went away. And it's just like one day, never saw him do yoga again. One day, never just stopped going to the gym. And I'm sure there was dynamics playing out in the relationship that were affecting that, that I'm unaware of. Cause I was a kid, yeah. but, um, how old do you think you were when that's that changed? This is super fascinating to me. Me too, man. Me too, which is why it's manifesting a whole book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, probably about 15. Hmm. Yeah. So as you were in your mid-teens and he just he seemed to stop dropping the things that he had always done. That's like was, what I hear is self-care. Right? Those are all self-care routines. Yeah, he was he was very much into it. He was like, he, he used to say things to me like, when I'm doing yoga, I feel the closest to God. Like yeah. as a as a 12-year-old, you don't understand what the hell that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. All right. Uh, whatever that is. Take your means. word for that one, Pops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it may have been something with my sister. She was very different than I was. She was very she was she's you know what she is, she's just like him in all the right ways. She's very fiery, she will not back down from a challenge. He had a very hard time dealing with her because she didn't respect him. Yeah. She did not respect him. And I think the older she got, the more intense he felt he had no control. And I think that that drove him nuts for mm-hmm. sure. How much, how much older is she than you? So she, let's see. Uh, she's three years older. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's fun to see how our childhood shapes our lives and, and oh, man. why. Um, so massively. I want to get into masculine and feminine here in a second, but I want to come yep. back to the original question and, and tie a couple things in. So you yep. said started getting some early success around 17, 18, 19. What was that? What, what kind of success and what kind of traction were you getting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, doing? I was, yeah, I was selling. Um, I was, I was pretty much a salesman. I was an affiliate for a company and, uh, I was kind of like building distribution networks, things like that. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, at the age of 17 years old, I had a $55,000 Mercedes Benz paid for by the company I was a part of. And I was making, you know, 1200, 1500 bucks a month, which is a lot in high school when you have no bills. Oh yeah. What, what, what years were this? Oh man, this was, let's see, 2011 to 2013. 
Okay. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, there was a point where I think my family kind of realized like, maybe he does have it figured out <laughs> because at first they were like, what's going on? And it's like, I'm making money. You know, I wasn't clocking in, clocking. I was an entrepreneur. Yep. Um, and that served me very well because that company I was working with actually ended up getting a lawsuit by the SEC. So at the age of 18 years old, I had moved out of my house for the first time. I moved uh, upstate Michigan to be on uh, the uh, Michigan State's campus. I didn't go to college, but I wanted to live by the campus to expand my business. And uh, yeah, within the first, I think, month and a half of moving out, the SEC came in, froze all the assets of the company, nobody got paid. And yep. I was in pure panic because I thought my life was over. Now I had rent. Now I had this car note and my income's gone. So I really had to figure it out. <laughs> you, sometimes when we look back at those experiences in the moment, they can seem unfair, frustrating. And then you realize they were the very lessons yeah. that set you up for the next success, depending on how you respond to them. So, so I'm assuming it sounds like it was a, some kind of network marketing company. If you're on campus, I'm guessing you're selling what was it, energy drinks or yeah. is one of those things. Yeah, energy drinks, um, supplements, things like that. Yeah. And, and so, especially as a young guy, you're starting to learn about business and leveraging other people's time, other people's money. And yep. you're picking up some success and you're also learning the, the pains of that, right? On the other side of it, the SEC coming down on the company. How did you pivot? And I think, I think to add to that before you go there, very often that's a, there's a rite of passage from becoming a boy to a man yep. in which you learn how to provide for yourself and make your own way in the world. Yep. Sometimes that happens to the chagrin of your parents or like your, your parents don't think it's a good idea that you're doing this or they want you to do something else. And you lean into that. And this isn't me advocating for anybody listening that you rebelliously not listen to your parents, but it is, there is a moment where you go from being a boy to a man where Absolutely. you own you, you own your decisions and you start listening to your intuition and your heart, which does not forego you pain. Don't confuse that as it means there won't be pain involved, but it does seem to be part of that transition into manhood. And very often our parents respect us. And I think you kind of touched on this. Our parents will respect us more in retrospect because we become our own person. And you'll that's normally when you get treated like an equal because you come back and it's, you'll always be their son, but they see you as an adult now making adult decisions. And so they stop parenting you as a child. So yep. does that sound kind of what your experience was like? Spot on. And every man goes through intense initiations. Well, I wish it was every man. We need to bring it back. Sorry to well, interrupt you. But no, I think well, it's an important part of manhood, but it doesn't seem to be happening as much, in my opinion, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about no, that. No, it's happening. Not everybody accepts the initiation though. Mm, well said. Okay. Yeah. There's you're a saying lot of people reject opportunities it. for it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's in the psyche of the soul of the masculine journey. It's mm. inevitable. It might not come until they're 30, but it's there yeah. and it's going to come in the form of heartbreak. They might lose a parent. They might lose a child. They might get raped. There's a million things that can happen. Uh, I've had many intentional uh, initiations from elders, which is very rare in the West today, because that's yep. usually, that, that used to be how they initiate boys. 100%. I mean, in, 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 in tribes in Africa till this day, they will circumcise boys when they're of age, they'll gather up the tribe of men, and they will literally circumcise them with rocks. I mean, it's not this rudimentary tools in front of everyone. 
in front of everybody and they'll cover them up with mud and then they'll wipe them off. A beautiful woman will wipe them off. And that's their initiation. And other tribes, they take two boys who are, are of different tribes. They send them to the village to work with elders to create tools that they're going to use to whip the other boy. They get three slashes. Whatever boy shows more weakness, so to say, or more like how that hurt, they are not initiated and they have to come back a year later or two years or whenever the society deems them ready. And that's really what it takes. It's not about that exact act. It's about the severe pain of like, holy shit, I don't know if I can get through this. And that's yeah. exactly what the male psyche needs because it shows you a part of yourself that no book, no teacher, no nothing can give to you. Like, hey, I'm made for more. Look at me, I'm a man. And that's the, that's the difference. You know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent that men and women are different <laughs> in <Weird>. every way. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. It's shocker, right? How, how, we, how do we live in an age where that's a controversial <laughs> statement? I don't know. You're telling me, man. <laughs> I get I get stabbed by the mob a lot on my social media with these topics. But um, yeah, so I have been through many initiations. Um, a lot have been with women. Some have been with my father. With due respect to him, I, I don't share those. Yep. Um, uh, some have been with my mother as well. A lot have been with girlfriends. I've been cheated on by almost every girl I've ever been with. And a lot have been with other powerful men who took advantage of me. And I had to kind of face that dragon and go back into the throne to look at those, those wounds that were influencing my personality and how I showed up in the world. So initiation is a must. You have to accept the pill because everything happens for us, not to us. I am of the firm belief of that. But if you're a victim to your own development, and you're saying, oh, that sh this shouldn't be that way, you're not going to get the medicine. You're going to miss yep. it. You're going yep. to become a victim. And a yep. lot of men, unfortunately, in our culture, kind of like you alluded to, they're falling into that and they're missing the whole point that your pain is filled with the exact medicine you need to evolve. The exact. God is so clever in his design that he can literally give you exactly what you need to help you grow. Yep. And that's called tough love. And that's, yep. the, that's the beauty of initiation. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it has to happen. You have to accept it. Otherwise, if you don't, you don't rise into to who you're meant to be. And there, I like what you're saying. I think that there are opportunities in every man's life to to step into that initiation or and invite it, and it's in our response. I also like what you're saying that, especially in Western culture, we don't have intentional initiation. Yeah, deliberate yeah. or intentional initiations into manhood anymore. The closest thing I can think of. It's potentially the military, potentially. Um, it's a form. It's a form. And then potentially sports, right? Pro sports or college sports. There's there's certain potential initiations that can happen there. But some, some people get it as well through religion. Um, yeah. You know, they, they adopt a new father. Uh, that's very common. I don't, I, I'm, I have nothing wrong with religion, but I don't think that's the right, that's part of it. There needs to be a spiritual aspect, but that's not enough. And that's yeah, part of yeah. the, the nice guy problem. Um, yeah. there, there's got to be a wild boy initiation where it's very primal. It's very dark. It's not yeah. pretty. Yeah, that has to happen. You think of, I think of the movie um, 300, right? The oh. Scenes of 300. It's like, it, it gives me the chills, but like there's something in the masculine that we are we seem to be afraid of or trying to kill or mute right now that is going to cause us an insane amount of pain as a culture if we Mass. don't learn to bring it back and protect it. Yes. Uh, and and I, this is 
very close to my mission, part of my heart is to to bring to help facilitate bringing the masculine and the feminine together in, a, in the dance, right? Where they're we're not we're not opposing them in a negative way, right? When we react to air, we cause more air. I understand how we got here as a culture. Like I'm not, it's not lost on me, right? The feminine has been fucked in all the wrong ways for the last millennia. So I get Very the surprised. anger and, and, and yes. And so, and so I see where that's coming from, but if we don't heal the wound, we just cause more injury in the other direction, which is going to have its, and we're seeing that like some of these stats are really concerning to me, like productivity, worker productivity is dropping precipitously right now for the first time since World War II. There's lots of reasons for that culturally that I can get behind. I understand. The part that concerns me is that the largest percentage of that is men. Men mm. are choosing not to get educated. They're and I'm not a big fan of academia. So to me, I don't mean going to fucking school. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it's like they're not they're not improving themselves with the statistics that are, are coming forward or any or any indication. They're they're becoming less and less employable and they're working less and less. And then yep. a, a, another stat, I, I'm supposed to be speaking for uh, the National Guard at the end of the oh, year, with the, and they were telling me, the recruiters were telling me that this is there's never been a harder time to recruit for the military than it is right now. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just because there's less people interested in joining the military. It's because the boys, predominantly, who are coming in are being uh, 4F'd more, meaning they're, they're not qualified. They either have mental or physical issues that keep them from being able to the military can't take them. I'm like, what are we doing? Well, it's, it's good. I mean, it's such a problem, man. And it's so much to um, unpack because there's so many dimensions of it. You have the mothers who think they're doing the right thing, but they're enabling weakness. And then you have mothers who have right. bad relationships with fathers or AKA masculine energy. So they project on the child. Don't be like your dad, because that's right. not what it's like to be a man. Right. Yet he doesn't understand that part of being a man is fucking up. Right. That's part of it. So and it's part of the it, human experience, but certainly true. masculine. But yeah. Exactly. And it's like, I'm very much of the proponent of like, Jordan Peterson talks really eloquently about this, about how there's no virtue in weakness. You yeah. can't be you can't be peaceful right. if you're not capable of destruction. 100%. You're only peaceful if you're able to be harmful. Correct. Well, boys, these boys are learning like, oh, the way your dad and this was a little bit happened to me later in my life. Thank God I didn't buy it from my mom. Like, oh, that's not the right way to be a man. Well, yeah, from your skewed lens as a woman, you yep. can't tell a man how to be a man. Like only he has to develop that from within and it's going to come through the trials and tribulations of life to pushing to his very edge to see what he's really capable of. Women don't have that experience and they have a whole different type of initiation, but men respond to pain differently than women respond to pain. That's why if you treat man, what's happening in our culture is mental health in men is being treated equivalently to how it is in women. And that's the wrong way to go about it. It's a, it's two totally different protocols. It's two totally different approaches. So these men are getting, these boys are getting enabled by society. They're getting enabled by their mothers who think they're doing the right thing, but really just have a poor relationship to masculine energy. And they're growing up weak and they're becoming typical nice guys, typical kind of, you know, these, these gentle creatures when really there's a wild beast in there and guess what's going to happen. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that beast is going to come out, but it's going to be unintegrated, AKA the shadow. And it's going to hurt the people it loves the most yeah. every single day of the week. I don't care what psychologist wants to debate me on that. 
I have seen it to be true throughout my entire life. Men have a different type of psyche than the woman that has to be integrated. And you can't do that by thinking everything's all sunshine and brave, but love and light bullshit. You got to go to the battle. You got to yeah. get your ass kicked. And then metaphorically speaking, and until then you're only half of a man. And, and so many nice guys in this whole wokeism and this whole new age culture is like pushing that agenda so hard. And we're not going to see the, the really the real problem of this until those men start being fathers. That's when we're really going to see it because you know this as well as I do, what, what's going to happen. The women are going to overcompensate for his weak masculinity. So now we're diminishing the feminine by making men weak. So they have to become strong because someone's got to be the masculine in the relationship. They're, they're trying to take on the masculine energy. Exactly. And what does that do to the kids? It, it messes everything up, man. And I've seen those dynamics play out with, I, I with think, past I girlfriends. I think we're seeing that right now as we have a lot of confusion around identity and masculinity and femininity. Like this is, this is pretty easy math. It's pretty easy to figure out how we got here if you just work back. So easy. Um, but I, I want to touch on a few things you said. And I want to yeah. get into the nice guy versus the good guy. So, yeah. so and I, I, I teach this a lot the feminine cannot bestow masculinity, right? Yeah. And this is an important thing because especially in Western culture, boys are raised statistically by women and yep. then they go to school, which is statistically taught by women, right? And they're not getting, that's why I said that the two places that may be an exception that come to mind is potentially sports and potentially mm -hmm. the military where you're in, in those forms, there's at least the potential for masculine integration and coaching and direction. But there isn't yes. a lot of areas in our society where they're getting that. And so it's not confusing to me to see boys never become men because they're, they're not getting those rites of passage. Or if they're, if they're coming into their life, they're not recognizing them as that because they don't have the, the schooling, the tutelage, the direction and the masculine to do that. And I think it's, it's a man-to-man -man thing right? Oh, every the time men pass on masculinity, not women. And to be fair, to be clear, it's the other way true. I don't think the masculine can bestow femininity either. You're not going to learn femininity no. from your father as a woman. No. Um, and that's an important thing to do to understand, because I think we need to cultivate both of these energies together and to learn how to celebrate their differences and to work together in that dance. And that is where we create creative power in the world to be able to do powerful things. And I, I honestly believe we're going to move towards that. And I see signs oh, yeah. that we are as we, we begin to correct the air that we're making in our society. But there are, there are lots of boys, and I see it on social media, that are lost. And they're looking for father figures. And some of them are not great, right? They're, because they're looking for masculine figures, they're attracted to masculine energy. And in some exactly. cases, they're not. They're they getting the so wounded. Bad that they're, they're not getting it necessarily from the right people. You're spot on. They're, they're getting it from wounded masculine energy. There's a layer of rebelliousness and, you know, um, high achiever success, nice cars, lots of women that attracts those guys because they have totally neglected that part of them 100%. So yeah. that's the difference between light and dark masculine. It's not good or evil. It's yeah. a polarity of light and dark, just like light and dark feminine. Women tend to have a better understanding of this than men. Um, but the dark masculine isn't a bad thing, just overly dark. Now you're becoming wounded. That's the narcissist. That's the abuser. That's the criminal. Yeah. Overly light 
That's the nice guy. The That's nice the guy. pleaser. The yep. equally net negative for society, the, the, the dark that is in ex- excess, the toxic dark is very palpable. Like to a man who's conscious or a woman who's conscious, like, ooh, stay away from that. That's danger. Yeah, it's, it's, it's palpable. You really feel it. The nice guy, though, it's just as bad, but it's subtle. It's so subtle. So it doesn't stand out as much as that darker masculine. So I, I do a lot of work on this with men because some of those guys who are so stuck in that nice guy light energy, they need a little bit of the Andrew Tates. They need that because that's going to hopefully swing them off the pendulum. The problem is so many boys who don't have any good example of masculine energy in their life, they are so underdeveloped. They get, they cling on to that and they don't let it go. And yep. that's the difference. Like, I feel like Tate, although I think his message overall net, net, net positive for society, but it's very much like a big brother. It's not like a father. And there's such a difference. Like it's not kingly. It's almost no. shadow kingly, which is very dangerous. Big and brother, I, I think, is an apt way. A rebellious big brother who yeah is 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 naturally the antagonist. Yes, right. Like it's like there's there's its own energy to it. But I I agree with with you. I think is what you're saying is that it's not necessarily the principles he's teaching are way off base. Because I haven't listened. To be fair, I haven't listened extensively to a lot of his stuff, but. A friend of mine, Patrick, but David is, um, I think he's just did another interview with them on his podcast and we've talked about it and, and gotten, I've kind of, you know, heard from him, his thoughts on it. And I think his, his ultimate message is resonating with so many because they're looking for direction. Yep. And I don't think the principles he's teaching, at least the ones I've listened to, which are, you know, I don't consider myself an expert in that by any means, but I'm right. not so against the principles. It's his delivery and the energy in which he's, he's speaking it. I like that you're saying that it's not fatherly. It's like a big brother antagonist. Big, big brother. brother. And it has its place. Like, that's the yeah. thing. We, sh- we shouldn't. Well, there's certainly like a that... demand for it, which is telling you that. Oh, absolutely. Because. Direction. Oh, absolutely. Because you get a man who's powerful, who's well-spoken, who's convicted, who also has the real life success. Also good with women. Holy shit. To a, to a nerd or to somebody who is never, you know, maybe he's a virgin who gets kicked around, who gets bullied, that invokes a spark in the masculine that cannot be denied. Yep. And it, 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 that's why it's, it's a net positive because those young boys, you know, I, I have full faith that they will graduate out of that consciousness and hopefully seek greater father kingly figures, but it does serve its place. You know, Hey, if somebody hits you at school, I'm of the belief, hit them back. <laughs> but you know, I, I got bullied at school. And by a few bullies, me and my brother were just talking about this today. There was many bullies I didn't hit back until I started getting a little bit older. I was like, oh, shit, you're going to mess with me. You're going to mess with my girl. I'm hitting you back. I might not be the strongest, but I'm hitting back. And, and, and young boys, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's the whole there's the whole adage of boys will be boys. Well, that's a very real thing. Boys are naturally a little bit more wild and you can't tame that animal. Otherwise, again, it's going to it's going to manifest as a shadow later on in life. They need outlets of expression. Yep. And it's, and it's important, especially in early life to learn that principle. Yes. I think you can't, you can't learn to give until you've learned, learned how to receive. And I say that because very often in early childhood, we teach kids to be pacifists, to yeah. share before they've ever learned to express and to receive. And then mm-hmm. it really fucks them up because then they mm-hmm. get older and they don't know how to defend themselves. They don't know how to stand up for themselves. 
and they become pussies, boys that are they don't know how to they don't know how to stand up for themselves. And like you said, it'll express itself in sometimes very negative ways. The playground, great place to learn to stand up for yourself. Right. And I agree with you. I thought my boys the same thing. If somebody punches you, punch them back, but understand the consequence because you may get your ass kicked depending on who it is. Yep. Learn that and learn that in grade school. Not when you're an adult now who doesn't know how to stand up for yourself and doesn't have a backbone. And then, yes. and that message alone is very controversial in our culture right now, where it's like, no, violence is bad. Like, <laughs> violence is bad until we need it again. Right? If World exactly. War III breaks out, we're going to be very happy that there are warriors in the group. Right. And that and if it's like, well, that's never going to happen. You're detached from reality. If, if history continues to repeat itself, it's going to be men, boys, who are going to have to step up and defend our fucking country. And, and if, if we don't have them, we're going to be, what the hell happened here? We're like, well, we tried killing the masculine. In this yep. effort to think that it was no longer necessary, which is both stupid and laughable if you study history. Like, it's, 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 we're not enlightened. We're an incredibly primitive species still. So. Oh, absolutely. And that's why the whole golden age ideology, I don't really buy it. We're I humans, hope, man. I hope we're we flawed. get there. And I hope we get there too, like f- philosophically speaking. But the problem with hoping we get there is those same people deny reality. Correct. I mean, man, like I lived in LA. I was a vegan for five years. I was so deep. <laughs> I, I've worked when I've worked with every spiritual influencer that we could talk about here. Every single one I've worked with them. I've seen their communities. I've been to their events. I see the type of men and the type of women that get drawn to that stuff. And, and man, there's a big denial of truth. And that's why as I got older, I started getting into the Robert Greens of the world because I needed to let some of that naivety, that boyish mentality die because yep. and I had to seek those fi- figures out because, man, I just got taken advantage of over and over and over by women, by men. It didn't matter. I was, I had no spine, and that's why with the masculine, like, it's loving strength. The nice guys are all love, all peace, well, kindness, but they have no backbone. <laughs> it's what you were saying about JP, and I agree. It it takes a real monster to be peaceful. Oh right? man, it's so if, much if so. Just, if you're a rabbit, you're peaceful by choice or because you don't have a choice, right? You don't it's, have a choice. It, it, takes, it takes people who are uh, capable of great violence to bring peace. And that is percent. something we need to understand. Uh, and I think it, that truth is going to be probably forced on us at least one last time. Now, I'm a proponent of a, a consciousness getting to a point where these things aren't necessary. And I do think as a whole, violence is a very primitive way to deal with life. However, it is it, it, as, as the Bible um, says, you want to be as, as peaceful as a dove and as wise as a serpent. serpent. And I think that's ultimately, I'm not a huge fan of the 48 laws because I, I don't like, there's a, a, I would say a negative energy in play with that or a manipulation. However, I've listened to Robert talk about this many times and he, he says many times, I'm not advocating that people necessarily use these tactics, but they are going to be used on you, which means 100%. you should be wise enough, not naive as you're saying, to understand what's being employed so you can detect it and at least defend yourself. Whether you're going to use them or not is, is your personal choice. And I don't, from a tactic standpoint, those aren't things that I would naturally want to employ, but I also am a huge advocate of understanding what's out there so you can protect yourself from it. And it's funny you mentioned LA and Hollywood. Obviously, we're here in Orange County. But that was Robert's experience. He said he wrote 48 Laws of Power because he was in Hollywood and dealing with this shit all the time. And he wanted to help other people avoid the pain. So, And, and he has. It's worked because at, of, out of desperation, I found myself 
into his work and it, it served getting me the very, answers. Yeah. Getting the answers you needed. The only person who I could find on topics of this. And I, and I was, I, like I said, I've worked with very and work with very powerful. I mean, people who have like literally the influence over millions, quite literally people. So it almost feels like modern day Kings is what I have dealt with my whole life. I would argue and, they're more powerful than the, 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 the leaders believe. of today are way more powerful than most of us are more powerful than the Kings of yesterday for a number of reasons, but that's a great way to put it. And as a young guy, I had to really, first of all, I had to get destroyed by those people to learn, Oh shit, there can be a snake in sheep's clothing, right. Or a wolf in sheep's clothing. And to be as uh, innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent, you can only do that if you're not naive. That's the only right. way, because if it, the, the heart is the dove and it will get eaten by other serpents in the physical realm and you may lose that innocence. And a part of the innocence has to die to become a man. I, I think in the spiritual journey, part of your, the journey as a man growing up, as you get older, you go back to that innocence. But that's why I love martial arts. You have to be capable. The reason I joined martial arts isn't because I want to hurt people. It's because if somebody hurts me, I want to be able to protect myself or those I love. That's the only reason why I joined. And that makes that. you a strong person. Like and that's you know what, what you're peace physically is. capable of. And you know, you know exactly what you're capable of. So it gives a different pep in your stuff. And, and you know, hey, something breaks out. I'm good. And so are the people around me. And that's what being a man is. We're protectors. We're providers. We're the giver. We're the son. We have to show up. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. People are going to hurt us. People are going to hurt our family. These are just the realities of life. And the only way you combat them is by knowing the game. But yep. so many spiritual men, they want to run away from the game. It's like... Yep. You got to play the game to beat the game. Once you beat the game, you then you the change game. the rules. Correct. But you can't run away from the fucking game. Nope. Man, <laughs> and you're, so you're, many men, they just deny this, man. They I totally it. deny it. And they, they get stuck. Their women cheat on them. They struggle and they're weak. And, 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 they're, it's, con it's, and they're confused. They're so confused because they're also learning from men who are not in their masculine. What, and, and I would describe it as in the woo-woo community, as I call it, it's you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Your 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 reference. That's and, and I'm stealing I, that. That's good. Do it, but That's I'm so and I'm true. I like I get once we finally transition to the fifth dimension, a lot of the shit that we're dealing with is going to fade away and we'll look back at as very archaic. But being wise as a serpent means you recognize that's not where we're at. No, that isn't you gotta face reality. What's right. here now? And, and that's something I constantly say. Be real about where we're at while maintaining optimism about where we're going. But we must exactly. understand the world and the game we're playing in if we're going to change it. Now, there's uh -huh. if you've read Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force, he uses Gandhi as a great example of bringing an empire to the knees in a nonviolent way. And I ultimately think violence is a primitive expression of humanity. And one of the, the hallmarks that we've grown into the next level is violence isn't going to be how we solve things. But right now, the world that we continue to live in is very much peace through superior firepower. And it has yeah. been that way for some time. Now, as consciousness elevates, I think we'll have less and less of a need for that. But there's nothing so far, there's nothing that indicates to me that we're there. Like we're, I, we're repeating history, right? Like Absolutely. we're in a this, this, what we're in right now is if you've read the fourth turning by fourth Neil turning. Howe, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, I, my, my, my dad is friends with somebody who knows him very Sweet. well. Yeah. Well, I love the book. I mm -hmm. thought it was incredibly knowledgeable. Uh, yeah. And again, I'm very hopeful that humanity is going to rise through this, 
but we're not going to do it by pretending that there isn't doesn't uh, exist. Yeah, that there isn't that we're that we're already there. Uh, and you're right. And I'm I would consider myself a, a a spiritual being. I know that I am a spiritual being having a human experience. So I'm very oriented towards the spiritual, but I I don't see many spiritual leaders that are stepping up into the masculine and the and the power of the masculine, understanding what it is. Uh, there are some, but we I, I think. You're right. There's a lot of the peace-loving group that's that's going to cause more harm than good in the end. Yeah. So how did you make this transition? And we, we, we're talking about it. And I love that we are. Yeah. But so what was the trigger that pushed you from going from nice to good as a description? So it started in the business stuff, kind of the whole tangent we went off, you know, working in these power, power dynamics. I had to learn how to defend myself. And I want to make one more point too. You yeah. alluded that violence... The, the physical violence is very primal in, in nature. And that's very much the warrior archetype, but there's also energetic violence. There's also manipulation. And that was more of what I dealt with was the psychological mind fucked and narcissism and these crazy things where I never had to be, well, there was a few times where there was physical altercations, but I was defenseless because I didn't know how to defend myself. So I was very much like a victim, quote unquote, but the more complex ones, man, are the spiritual elements, like the spiritual manipulation, the, you know, the planting of beliefs that aren't true inside of a psyche who's vulnerable. The I call that the luciferic. It's your next level of of boss battles. Is the, the, the there? It's the spiritual ego or, or the, it's it's playing in spiritual technology or spiritual power, but in the luciferic, is what I. It's my reference to it. Luciferic energy, and it's very complex to not only overcome but defend because you have to you don't need a sword you need you need a different weapon and that is very hard for people to grasp and understand but that's where faith comes in you got to get a connection with god and and know and know their game so that you can beat them at their own game and make them look silly and not even know what happened and yes. and that that sounds dark cuz it is dark and yes. you have to, and most men most nice guys can't go there which is why they will in the end get destroyed by men who can go there so I talk about if you're a light worker and you're neglecting the shadow, you are more of a disservice to humanity because this, you got to go to the shadowy realms to be able to fight the very thing you want to not exist. <laughs> you have to integrate and, and, and have to. And so this is, this came to me. Uh, I don't, I, I was not a, I didn't hate the final star Wars episode. I actually liked it for many reasons, but one of the things I've been, I'm watching star Wars since I was a kid. <laughs> the and aristotle gets credit for the quote the art and literature of today is a foreshadow of tomorrow and the collective learns a lot through fiction there's a lot of lessons that collective so consciousness pick up on through fiction so star wars for me is one of those things and it i couldn't believe for almost 20 years it was right in front of my face and i did not hear it which is right skywalker was meant to bring balance to the force Every yes. time I heard that, I, I always assimilated that as the Jedi, right? To bring the Jedi to rule. No, no, it's the integration of both, right? That's balance. It's the light and the dark that is meant to bring the two together. And I was like, oh, and that's exactly it. We, we very often avoid one for the other. It's yep. the integration of the two is where wholeness. And what that is, is the, the destruction of the illusion of duality. Well, when those two come back together, we surrender duality. And that is the work. And so that's the integrating of the shadow and of the dark so that it can be dissolved into truth. And to me, 
the weapon that is most powerful in spiritual world in the spiritual world is truth and love to respond mm -hmm. in truth and love and love can be violent and i don't mean physically violent it's energetically violent it is a force that can bring great change on the earth and that was gandhi's work right he brought britain to its knees and india became a, a free country through the use of of power not force and by by love and so mm -hmm. i think the spiritual war is very often one with truth and love. And I think they go hand in hand. I don't think you can have truth without love uh, in its purest expression. But if you want to combat that, and again, for me, Christ is a good example, the red letter in the New Testament. Every time he was confronted with evil, he just responded with truth, mm. and mostly by quoting scripture. And that was, he combated those, those situations by speaking in truth. And it's not just speaking those words, it's your energetic alignment to those things. Right when you're when you live from that place, it's very hard to fuck with you because your alignment and energy is it has an unfuckable with. Right, literally, you can feel it on someone when they're owning who they are. Right, the great yeah. I am, and to me, that's the work. And to teach men and women to come into themselves, to come into their identity. And I'm in the middle of of writing my book. Hopefully, we'll be out at the end of the year. And it's all awesome. about identity mm. because that is the the source of everything. Our story about ourselves has such a massive impact on how we show up in the world and we are obsessed with identity right now in our culture and in my opinion all the wrong ways we're totally missing the point uh and so i'm excited to to hopefully be able to bring something forward that's going to be that adds some benefit there yeah absolutely man i mean we move in proportion to who we believe we are you know we are going to act who we believe we're being and that can change moment by moment but identist tony robbins says it best you know identity is strongest force in human personality it's the absolute truth and it, yeah, you won't move too far away from how you see yourself. Never. Yeah. And that's the key. And a lot of what we're talking about today is, is really identity. It's the story about self. And, the, yep. and a lot of it is picked up in childhood and becomes unconscious. So we're not even aware that we believe these things about ourselves until exactly. we see the fruit in our life. And we keep wondering, why do I keep why ending up in happening? dysfunctional relationships? Why do I keep having these sorts of things happen to me? Well, it's tied to your identity and your story about yourself. Yep. It's like that 95% of who we are is all subconscious things, programs, right. beliefs passed on, you know, and from the time we're zero to eight years old, we're in theta brainwaves, which essentially is a light form of hypnosis. Correct. We are and completely highly, suggestible. To highly suggestive. Yeah, exactly. We're completely suggestible. So that's why, you know, the whole, you know, the, the whole genes idea, that's where it comes from. But Genes can be changed or not necessarily changed, but certain yeah, genes turned on. Genetics, yeah, we're figuring genetics. That out. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one of my teachers talks a lot about that. But yeah, to to go back to your the second end of this question, the other side of this coin, you know, the first side was with men dealing with masculine energy. So I like I coach a lot of women because I can because I had a poor relationship with masculine energy, so I actually understand them because a lot of women have been taken advantage of by unhealthy masculine. But I say, look, so have I. Like I get you. We're the same. <laughs> it's the same force, and that's a very powerful understanding. But the, but role number two was with women. That was the other kind of domino for me where um, you know I, I kept I never had a problem getting women or you know, getting in relationships. I was always in the guy who was in a relationship for one or two years. Like, you know, I wasn't somebody who slept around. That wasn't my thing. I love women. I'm, you know, I see them as an equal. It was always that. And that turned into, as I got older, into very much a pleaser where I didn't own my own kind of opinions. I didn't step into my own core. 
I tended to let the women drive the relationship. And then I, I met somebody who I was like, this is the one, you know, we're going the distance. I fell in love, like real love, started thinking about a ring, the whole thing. And then uh, it, it didn't work. And that broke my heart more than any other pain I'd ever been through in my whole life. And man, at, at, at a moment where it would have been so easy to go back because she wanted that, I, I couldn't go there because I had gotten to this place inside of myself where I developed so much as a man, where I realized to backtrack what we had created because of the acts that may have occurred would emasculate my my truth that yeah. you, you can't disrespect yourself like that. And, um, that was a really hard pill to swallow. And that was kind of the, I wouldn't say the last, uh, nail in the coffin, but that felt like my final initiation into adulthood. Cause there was many initiations throughout this, throughout my life from a very young age. I mean, we didn't really get into like deep adolescence or childhood, but 13, 14 years old. I mean, I was having panic attacks every single day and those weren't random. There was reasons that was happening. So there was a lot of um, initiations throughout life, but that one was the hardest because it was, I, I thought, I genuinely believed as a nice guy, I couldn't live without her. That was the belief. She completes me. I can't live without this person. It's like, and that very belief keeps a man very small. No, nothing's going to complete you other than your connection with God. That's my belief. And if you're looking for a woman to do it, you're going to get hurt because 100%. that's a, that's a sense of neediness. That's a sense of incompleteness. And those guys struggle with women because they're, they're, they're incomplete. So that really put me down a hard road of what does it mean to be a man? And that's when I started looking at the shadow. That's when I started embracing my shit, like really hardcore looking at, you know what? I am like my dad and I'm not afraid to say that, that, that thought would terrify me when I was younger. And I know I've painted my dad in a very beautiful light, but like I said, he's had his flaws, many, many flaws, love him to I death, understand. but he, we're flawed yeah. humans. Yeah. But once I accepted these realities of like, no, that this is what makes me beautiful. It, it just freed me, man. I, it, it just allowed me to become a man and it changed how I showed up in the world in every way. And I, I wasn't afraid to start flirting with women, being a little edgy, being bold, being rebellious, you know, all these dark kind of qualities. I was able to go there. And what I realized was like, wow, like this is such a beautiful part of my personality. And that integration of the two was, was huge. And it came from a, a really, really, really hard breakup. I, I want to continue this conversation. Um, I think I've really enjoyed getting to know you and just getting to hear me you. Me too, story. man. This Hopefully has been one of the one of my most favorite interviews. I mean, this conversation was so fantastic on many levels. Well, I'll have to do a part two. I'd love, I don't know how often you get out to the West Coast, but I'd love to have you at often. the office. We could do one in live. Um, that would be awesome. So we'll love that. We'll follow up. I'd love to do another one. I have a few rapid fire questions and I let's appreciate you being so authentic and raw today. And I, there's a lot more we could get into. I, think I know. Another <laughs> couple of hours here. This is um, like a three, four hour podcast, man, because there's so much to unpack. There's so many dimensions. And of I it. think these are important conversations to have, right? Agreed. Because there's a lot of men who can that will relate and be like, yeah, that's me. Like the 100%. More, more men I interview that are awakening, their story has these boss battles in it. There's this, it's almost like a formula for waking up. And it, well, you, well, that's what I was saying a, earlier a about 
Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier about about every man does have the moments of initiation, just they don't all accept it. Yeah, and as soon as you said that, I was like, that's I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, because if you look at mythology or any symbology of 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 the masculine frame, it has that. Every story and Joseph Campbell really was great in uh, uncovering that. Mm -hmm. It's just in our psyche, man. It's part of the soul. You know, it's hard to explain, but it transcends mind. All right, few things. Yeah, let's do it. Number one thing you've bought over a hundred dollars that you're that you've been happiest with in the last six months. What's something you've bought for a hundred dollars or less that's had the biggest impact on your life? Hundred dollars or less. Oh, probably this whoop. Yeah. I think it's under a hundred dollars. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So good. I use my aura ring and I love it for the same reasons. So great. What yeah. book do you find yourself recommending more than any other? Way of the Superior Man. Ooh, data. Yeah, I, I. That's I, the Bible. I, yeah, <laughs> it's especially for young men. Uh, I agree. So key. Uh, there's a few, but um, that's a big one. Way of Superior. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then last one, if you could have a build por- a billboard in downtown LA, what would you put on it? <laughs> there's only two genders. <laughs> <laughs> only only in this day and age would that be a controversial thing to say, especially in LA. That's the that's the more uh savage answer. I think um I think another one maybe would be try your best to always do the right thing. Yeah. 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 And I like that you said, try your, do your best, right? I, I love the four A's, the four agreements. It's a book I recommend a lot because the human experience, as far as I can tell, was not meant to be a perfect expression unless you mean perfectly imperfect. It's a mess by design because exactly. it's, it's a place of discovery. And so in the process of pursuing our best, the ugly will come out, right? Lots of stuff will come out in that. And that's, to me, the blessing and the gift of this realm is we get to experience outside of the absolute what it would be like to not be perfect which Mm. maybe sounds a little a little woo woo for some but very true it's it's the gift of imperfection and it's it's getting to understand opposites right there's in the world of absolute which is where we all come from there is no opposite this is our experience and out and opposites which makes it beautifully imperfect exactly it's It's polarizing Hmm? it's polarizing and that's what makes us human yeah. And we, I think at some level, maybe we chose that to experience it all. Oh, I 100%, 100% believe we did. Dude, this has been an epic conversation. I've super enjoyed I love it. this, man. This was great. Because uh, well, you have a, you have such a depth the average person doesn't have on these topics. So we could go really deep, which I, I personally enjoyed, man. This was beautiful. And I got to get you on my show as well. And I, uh, I would love that. I would love yeah, that. You are, you're world class. And I could tell you know your shit, which is great. So I appreciate that, brother. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk soon. Me too. Talk soon, my friend.